The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Uh, let me welcome you. My name's Eric. Uh, I'm the lead pastor and the teaching pastor here at LifePoint. Uh, and uh, we have been going through uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, and we, this is our eighth week through the book, uh, and we're still in chapter one, uh, but don't fear, uh, because it's going to pick up from here, but uh, you should be opening up to Colossians 1 uh, right now. It's a very unbelievably uh, difficult text that we're going to be in today, uh, but I hope that it speaks to your heart, and so without further ado, uh, let's, just, let's just get right into it, okay? Uh, Colossians chapter one, starting in verse uh, 24. This is Paul. Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. What I want to do very quickly, this is a, a lengthy text, what I want to do very quickly to help us understand, we're going to spend the majority of our time uh, in verse 24, but what I want to do is I just want to kind of unpack this or, or really just kind of paraphrase this text, uh, and I'm going to kind of uh, backwards, leading us back up to verse 24. Are you following me with that? Okay, so uh, in verse 29, he, Paul is saying, uh, I am working, I'm laboring, I'm toiling, I'm striving, I'm struggling, I'm laboring, but he's, this labor is not with his own energy, but rather it is an energy that he works that is given to him by God. Okay, And so he has this job, he has this labor, this toily that he's doing under the, the strength of Christ. And then in verse 28, he says, there's this purpose in which I labor. And this purpose is to present everyone that would come to faith mature in Christ. And so what he's doing in his labor is his desire in his struggle, in the energy that's given to him, to present everyone mature in Christ. And he does that through warning and admonishing, and teaching, and so that's part of his labor. And then in verse 26, he begins to talk about what it is that he's teaching, what it is that he's proclaiming, what it is that he's warning, and he says that it's a mystery. Now, now this is not a mystery, so it can't be known. He calls it a mystery because it's something that for the longest time was not seen. But now it is being seen, now it is being revealed, now it is being made known. And so he's teaching, he's laboring, he's admonishing, he's laboring for this mystery. And then in verse 27, it describes this mystery, describes this beauty, this pinnacle, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so this mystery is now being revealed 
to the saints. It's being revealed to those who would believe. And it's no longer a mystery, uh, but it's an overwhelming Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Now, this mystery, it's being revealed because the Holy Spirit comes and the Bible says that it indwells in a believer's life. The Holy Spirit lives inside those who would believe. And so the Bible here is saying that he's laboring, he's striving, not with his own energy, to teach and admonish, to present everyone mature in Christ. And he does that by saying there's a mystery, there's something that he's teaching, which is Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Verse 25, it says that he is doing this by fulfilling the stewardship or the life that God has given him here on this earth. He says, this is why I labor. And then in verse 24, he says that this ministry, this proclaiming, this laboring, this struggling, this teaching, warning, and admonishing, all of it involves suffering. Let's look at verse 24 again. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now, we've got a phrase here that that may be kind of confusing to us, all right? And it's a, a phrase that we have to do something with because Paul says that he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, Hermeneus 101 says that we can't take just a text out of the Bible. We have to compare it to the rest of the scripture to try and understand what it's saying. All right, but we know that Christ upon the cross is not lacking. His work is not lacking in anything. That the atoning the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not uh, inadequate because we would say that the cross completely saves us. Amen? It is the cross, it is the work of Christ and the work of Christ alone that completely saves us utterly, and it is only the cross of Christ that saves us. And so Jesus lives the life that we cannot live. He paid the price that we deserve to pay. And he raised to life, defeating sin and death once and for all. And this, for those who would believe, would make us right, just, and holy before God, only by the work of Jesus Christ. And so we believe it is the cross. It is Christ that saves us. No, it's not, it's not Jesus and the cross and his atonement and be a good boy. Right? It's not the cross and be a good person. It's not a cross and you got to go to church. It's not the cross and baptism. It's not the cross and fill in the blank. Whatever you want to put in there, it's the cross is fully enough to atone for all of our sins and all of our shortcomings. Are you tracking with that? We believe it's not something added to the cross. Um, Galatians would clearly say, it would say that if my righteousness could be obtained by my good behavior, if righteousness could somehow be attained by me fulfilling the law, if righteousness could somehow be attained by me being a good person, then it says that Christ died for nothing. 
Hebrews would say that Jesus Christ died once and for all time, the complete sacrifice for those who are perishing, which means the cross is complete. To present us holy and spotless and blameless before him. Okay, so here's a question we've got to answer then. What does Paul mean when he says that he's filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? What is he talking about there? If the cross is not lacking, how can you fill up what is lacking in the afflictions? And then the second question we have to answer, well, how does that apply to us? And the third question is, why is he rejoicing? All right, so we're going to tackle those three. So look at verse 24 again, and we're going we're to unpack it. Verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. This is the church's sake, that in my flesh, my body, my physical flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, which is the church. Paul's suffering is not adding anything to the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Paul's suffering is not adding to the cross. But rather, in Paul's suffering, he's displaying the worth of Christ's sufferings. In his flesh, in his body, in his suffering, he is displaying, he is putting on display for the church, for the people, for those who would come to faith, the infinite value, the infinite worth of what Christ did upon the cross. It's not saying that Christ is insufficient, somehow as if the cross is not enough. But what he's saying is I am rejoicing that my suffering would be a display of the worth and the value that Jesus did on the cross. It displays to the world that Jesus is worth it. That value, the value of the gospel to Paul for those who would believe is greater than his comfort. Hear me. That when Paul suffers for the gospel, is it a display of Christ's afflictions and his suffering is greater than his comfort and his life. And the value of what the cross accomplished is still a mystery to so many. There's so many people. There's, the world is full of so many people that still do not know, do not come, cannot hear what the cross did fully for them to make them right before God. And he says, I will suffer to make that value known because it is the most valuable thing that our world could ever hear, could ever comprehend, and ever know. And so in my suffering, I am showing the world what value that Christ did on the cross and hear me because God's intention is for the world to hear the good news God intends for the world to hear about Jesus and the atonement and it is this hope it is this gospel this this God in us that we carry to the world so 
The question then is, well, how do we fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? How do we then, how does, how does this apply to us? Well, Jesus Christ has prepared a love offering for the world, which just simply means that he gave himself. Luke 19 says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's the gospel, right? I mean, it doesn't get any more simpler than that. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. All other religions says, this is what you need to do to get to God. And Jesus says, no, I'm God coming. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This is the greatest news. Because when you understand that you're separated, when you understand that you've been separated by God through sin, through the way you think, the way you act, James even says, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it sins. Kind of puts us all in the same boat, doesn't it? When you realize that you've fallen short, guilty before God, and you hear the truth that Jesus came to seek and to save the broken, it's the greatest news in the world. And so Jesus came and prepared a love offering By committing himself to death, he took upon our sin, he took the penalty so that we would be forgiven, so that we would know Christ in us. This sacrifice of Christ for those who believe is full and not lacking. Hear me. The cross of Christ, the atoning work of Jesus, is full and not lacking except for one thing. A personal presentation to the nations. The only thing the cross is unable to do is to bring a personal presentation 2,000 years later. And so the only thing that Paul says, I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, is I am filling up by bringing a personal presentation to the world that the cross is enough to save us, that the cross is enough to draw men to himself, that the cross is enough to make atonement for, for our sins and our shortcomings. The only thing that it's lacking is a personal presentation to your coworkers, to your schools, to your neighbors, to the nations, and to the world. And so we need to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions by making a proclamation of what Jesus did. And this is how God fixes it. Are you ready? That's how God fixes it. He sends his Holy Spirit, to dwell in those who would believe. The Holy Spirit comes. The mystery is now solved because it's now Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Are you following me with that? And so, so the Holy Spirit comes, indwells in those who would have faith in believers so that we could be witnesses. Acts 1.8. It says, you shall receive Power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we love that, all right? A lot of times we just stop right there. You will receive power. I like power. Yeah, it's cool. Right? We want power. We will receive power. We like power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do what? To do what? To be my witnesses. To be my proclaimers. To be my display. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Where you are, where you will be, where this message is going, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? The gospel. The good news. That Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's what we are called. That's what we are filled. That's what God does. Christ in me does to be a witness. This mystery can be known. Look in verse 24 again. This is where it's going to get tough. Verse 24, he says, I rejoice in my what? Sufferings for your sake. And in my, what's the word? Flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. So, so he begins to say, there is going to be suffering. There is suffering in Paul's life, but it's not just this obscure suffering. He says, there's a suffering in my flesh. It says, physical suffering. This is not the flu. This is not him getting sick. This is the persecution of the apostles. Are you, are you following that? And so he says, in my flesh, in my body, in my physical ability, in my physical being, I am suffering for the sake of the gospel. And in my suffering, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, how can suffering, him physically suffering, be a display of Christ's afflictions. Well, Christ suffered. Christ suffered horribly. And so Paul says, in my physical ability, I have a connection with the sufferings of Jesus. Now look at me, this is what this means. This means that God intends for the saints to be under affliction, for the saints to suffer in order to present to the world a display of the sufferings of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. Now, this is wildly unpopular. Huh? Am I getting really giddy right now, really excited? This is, this is wildly unpopular, let me tell you, because so many people are like, are you saying that Christ didn't die for my comfort? This is not the, the health, the wealth, the Jesus came to make me comfortable message. 
This is Jesus came and suffered and calls his church to suffer as a display of how Christ suffered. And so when we read things like this that says, I rejoice in my sufferings, even in my flesh, even in my physical sufferings, I rejoice because it is a physical display of how Christ suffered and it is proclaiming to the world that this is valuable. This is absolutely valuable. God intends for the afflictions of his people to be a display of Christ. God wills to have a personal presentation of his sufferings to the world. Uh, Look at Mark chapter 8. I've got it up here. And calling the crowd to him, and with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, you know what we like to do with that text? We like to begin to define what that means. And we like to put an American, comfortized, uh, a prosperity spin on it. And, he, and he's not really saying, take up your cross. No, he's really saying, take up your cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Now, now, if you're a believer in here, so many people are like, I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm willing to die for him. If he came told me to, to die for him, I would die for him. But are we willing to die for the Gospel's sake? Are we willing to put ourselves out there for the sake of spreading the good news that Jesus came to seek and save the lost? Are we willing to suffer for the gospel's sake? I would say that's a different story. The pathway of salvation is the pathway of one losing their life. Laying down your life and saying, I am completely yours. The point is that taking the gospel to people, whether it's across the street or across the ocean, it will require suffering. And it will require sacrifice. How many of you know that to be true? Whether you proclaim to your neighbor or your coworker or your friends, it's a little uneasy. I don't don't care how many evangelism explosion class. I don't care how many contagious Christian classes. It's a little uneasy. That's why Paul prays for boldness. Paul, the guy who's healing people. Lord, help me. Lord, do something in me. God, fill me up again so that I would be bold to proclaim the good news. It's going to require suffering. It's going to require sacrifice. And so Paul says, will you fill me with boldness? If we are not willing to suffer for the sake of the gospels, then the world has every right to believe that the message we bring must not be that valuable. Tweet that. If we're not willing to suffer for Christ's sake, for the gospel's sake, then it's proclaiming to the world that 
that the most valuable thing, the thing that we hold as most valuable, must not be that valuable. Must not be that big of a deal. But if we would be willing to take up our cross and follow him, even in his sufferings, we are proclaiming to the world that Jesus Christ is more valuable than life. It's more valuable than my comfort. It's more valuable than anything I could ever know. Christ in you. And he says, in that I rejoice. It's the greatest thing. And in that I rejoice. But if we choose fleeting pleasures, fleeting comfort, fleeting security over the sacrifices and the sufferings of proclaiming the gospel by sharing in the ministry of Christ, by sharing in the afflictions of Christ, we choose against joy. You guys know that? That when you choose comfort over sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit in Christ in you, the hope of glory, you're choosing fleeting pleasures over joy. It's like in Jeremiah says that we choose broken cisterns that hold no water rather than drinking the water of life. God is calling us to live and even suffer and sacrifice for the sake of the gospel going forward. God is calling us to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Do you guys realize that Christ chose suffering? Hmm? It's not, it's not this. It's not, oh, poor Jesus, that he was betrayed with a kiss. Hmm, That's too bad. Oh, poor Jesus. All his disciples flee. Oh, poor Jesus. He was tried unjustly. Oh, poor Jesus. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was was spit upon. He was punched. He had a crown of thorns on his head. Oh, poor Jesus that he had to carry that cross. Oh, poor Jesus that he was nailed to the cross. Jesus chose suffering. He says, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. I give it. This is how I'm choosing. He chose to suffer, to display to the world how great and how depth the sin is and how ugly and disgusting the sin is, that he would be going to lengths and masses to show the world that I'm choosing to suffer. It didn't just happen to him. Jesus chose suffering. And in texts like Mark 8, he calls us to at times choose suffering. He calls us to take up our cross and follow him. To lose our life for his sake, for the gospels. Christ suffered to accomplish salvation fully. We suffer to spread salvation. I heard a story uh, told by John Piper, who heard it from J. Oswald Sanders in 1992. And he told this story of a missionary 
He was an indigenous missionary, which means he was from the area that he was a missionary to, like us. Uh, so he's, he's a missionary, and, and he would, in the time, he would walk barefoot from village to village. It was in India, and he would walk barefoot from village to village proclaiming this gospel, proclaiming Christ, proclaiming this mystery. And because he walked barefoot, it was just the culture, uh, his feet would, would be torn and bruised and bloody, and they would be all torn up. And every time he would go to a village, from time to time, he would get chased out, he would get beaten up, he would get, he would get whipped, he would get made fun of, and he would be kicked out, and he was, he was just torn, man. I mean, physically torn. The story goes, he says, after a long day and many miles, he came in his discouragement to another village to speak the gospel. And he was very quickly rejected, kicked out. And he says that after the day, he, he came out to the edge of the village where they finally stopped running him off. And he found a tree in, in the shade and he laid down uh, and he just began to sleep. And after he awoke, the village was, the people were surrounding him. And one of, the, one of the head men of the village, he explained that they came to look him over while he was sleeping. They saw his blistered feet. They saw his bruise. They saw his wounds. And they came to the conclusion that this must be a holy man. This must be a holy man because he's gone through a great deal. He's walked many miles. He suffered many things. And at this time, the village, it says that they wanted to hear the message that he was willing to suffer so much for because it must be the most valuable thing in the world. So the evangelist was filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions in his own sufferings. Um, look at Romans 10. I think I've got it up here. Look at Romans 10. Verse 8. It says, But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. For who will descend in the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near to you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew, that's the religious, or the Greek, that's the irreligious. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, which is Christ in you. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Now, if you've been in church, you've probably heard that text, that if you 
Call upon the name of the Lord that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you will be saved. This is what we believe. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that you will be saved. And that's what this text is talking about. That's what it's saying. But most of the time, we just stop there. Look at what it says next. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet, the blistered, scorned, torn feet of those who preach the good news. Many of you are here today and you've never shared in the riches of Christ. You've never been open about the Christ in you, which is the greatest news in the world. You've never led anyone to Christ. You've never shared your faith. You've never even prayed to be used by God. You've never even asked God to empower you, to give you boldness, to share the gospel. But we'll sit here week in and week out and and let either me or Matt or someone come up at the end of every service and pray for you as missionaries. You know we do that every week. You'll come in and you'll sit here and you'll let us pray over you to be used for the gospel's sake. You'll listen to us pray to make us missionaries to the lost. But you've never prayed that for yourself. You never prayed to be used for the sake of the gospel. Because I think somehow... Somehow we believe that Jesus suffered so that we can just come in here on Sundays and sing some songs. That sounds nice. Because somehow we believe that Jesus suffered so that we can just live our comfortable lives and put our money in the joy box and and, and sing some songs and put on some fancy clothes and do this church thing. Because somehow we believe that Jesus died for my comfort and not for me to be a missionary or a spokesman or proclamator of the gospel. Because we love comfort. We don't like suffering. We're afraid of suffering. We're afraid we don't have the answers. We're afraid we're going to be made an outcast. We're afraid we're going to be mocked. But hear me. Because we've never shared in the suffering that comes from making known Christ in you, because you've never embraced the truth that Christ died to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses, to make disciples, You sit here today and you can't even comprehend the words of Paul when he says, I rejoice.
I know we live in O'Fallon. And I know this is a tough text even for me. But I know it's possible to have everything. To have comfort. To have riches. And be poor. I know it's possible to lose everything for the gospel's sake and be rich. Okay, look at me. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late, whether you're 70 or 7. It's never too late. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which means if you are a follower of Christ, you have a calling on your life. You have a calling on your life to be a steward of the time that God has given you to proclaim the gospel. Listen to me. You have a calling on your life. You have a calling on your life. You have a calling on your life. There's a calling in your life. You're filled with Christ in you to proclaim how great of news that it is that he came to seek and to save the lost. But the only question is, are you willing to count it all as lost for the sake of the gospel? Because Paul tells us it's going to require some suffering. Are you willing to carry your cross for the gospel's sake? Because only then will be a church filled with people that come in here week in and week out and say, I rejoice. I rejoice in my sufferings because, listen, somebody came to know the Lord this week. Listen, someone, someone came to know Christ in them this week. Somebody walked away from comfort of life and found true life. And I rejoice. It is this reason that Paul toils. It is this reason that I toil that I labor and that I strive and I pray that maybe maybe there's those out there that will join me in wanting to make the gospel known no matter what the cost. I pray that the value of Christ's afflictions, the, the, the riches of what Jesus did on the cross in his death and his resurrection from the dead would penetrate our hearts so deeply that we would be willing to say, here I am, God, send me. Let's pray for that. Jesus, I know you seek and you save the lost. 
I know that you can come and mend even the darkest heart. You can come and you can, you can fill us again with the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses. And so, Jesus, I ask that we would be a church that would be filled with awe when we read this text. And we would ask you to fill us so much that we would be able to understand to the depths of our souls what it means to say, I rejoice in my sufferings. That we would be willing to warn and admonish and teach to present those who would be in the faith mature in Christ. That we would labor to no end, to make the gospel known. That's why you saved us. That's why you brought us to yourself to glorify you. To tell the world of your goodness. To tell the world of your complete work. And so, Jesus, right now, I pray that you would take each one of us and all of our fears, all of our failures, all of our insecurities, all of our doubts, and you would make us lights for you, proclaimers for you, that we could tell the world that you completely saved the lost. Maybe you're here right now. And if you were honest, you would say, I don't know Christ in me. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you right now, if that's you, I would just want you to pray wherever you're at. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you're praying to Jesus for the first time. The Bible says that Jesus hears your prayers. That when we ask for forgiveness, he will forgive. That he will make new. And so maybe you're here today and you've never done that. I would just encourage you to right where you're seated, Begin to pray in your own voice that you need him. And maybe others of you are here today. And you've been maybe chasing a life of comfort. You've shied away from sharing your faith with the gospel. And maybe you just need to sit here today and ask God to fill you up. Fill you up with joy. Fill you up with the Holy Spirit. Fill you up so that you may be bold to sacrifice, bold to give, bold to even suffer at times to make known the greatness of our God. And so Matt's going to sing a song in just a minute, but I want to encourage you that wherever you're at, at whatever point you're at, that you would take this moment right now and just ask the Lord to fill you. Let's do that, church. Jesus, please fill us. Jesus, please fill us. Jesus, please fill me, oh God.
with your spirit, with your boldness to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name, we cry out. Amen.